Well, hello there, listener, and welcome to Better Than Fine. I'm your host, holistic wellness coach, Darlene Marshall. And whether you are a coach, you're another lifestyle professional, maybe you're a personal trainer or another kind of coach, or you're someone who's just looking for reliable wellness information for yourself, you have come to the right place. Welcome to Better Than Fine. And how are you feeling? In all seriousness, taking this moment of pause and just check in with yourself. Listener, how are you feeling right now? You know, I'm feeling feeling a little bit anxious. And and I always feel a little bit anxious when I'm recording the show. It's, you know, I, I want to do a good job. I want my producer, Eric, to think like I'm, I'm clever and I'm smart and I'm, I'm doing a good job at this podcasting thing. I want you, the listener, to think, to, to get something out of this. And, and so I get a little anxious, like, hey, is, am I going to pull this one off? Now that anxiety, that comes from that bit of tension about what might happen, right? The, it's always, the future is always a little bit unsure, And that tension about what might happen creates the foundation of just like a little bit of uncertainty that creates mild anxiety. And I think it's cool to know that different emotional states cause different reactions in the body and the brain. And learning that was really important in my personal journey. I wish I could go back to eight-year-old, 12-year-old, 27 year old Darlene and and teach her that her feelings have an impact of information that she could learn from them. That's because I was a really emotionally sensitive child. I am as an adult too, but now it's kind of my superpower, right? I use that emotional awareness with my clients and my students. I, I use it to help understand them, to help them access themselves. But as a kid, Not so much. I was the dramatic kid. We all know that kid. That kid that the adults all think is overreacting to everything. And that's because I was feeling everything really completely, really intensely. I had really strong emotions. And I grew up with adults that didn't really know how to teach me to use that as a skill. And that's partly because I grew up in a family and in a culture that embodies this one Marilyn Monroe quote. Uh, maybe you, you already know the one I'm going to say, but quote, I'm selfish, impatient, and a little insecure. I make mistakes. I'm out of control and at times hard to handle. But if you can't handle me at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best. End quote. I love the beginning of that quote. I love owning that you're not perfect, that you're insecure, that you make mistakes. This idea of just embracing the parts of yourself that maybe you would change if you could, but maybe aren't ideal and you're going to own up to them. That you're selfish, you're impatient, insecure, and make mistakes. Now, the part I don't love The part that was toxic for me growing up is the second half. I'm out of control and at times hard to handle, but if you can't handle me at my worst, then you sure as hell don't deserve me at my best. 
I grew up with the idea that being out of control and hard to handle is a personality trait. That that being an emotional and a dramatic person was a disposition, that it was hardwired and I was just stuck being that person. I grew up thinking it was my only option and it wasn't until I was in my therapy in my late 20s that I learned this valuable nugget of information. I am not my emotional state. Now you've probably heard the idea you are not your thoughts. I knew that. I'd been meditating for a long time. I knew how not to attach or to at least observe myself in a process. But it didn't occur to me that it wasn't just about my thoughts, that my emotional state could be used as a tool. Because up until that point, I had been riding the roller coaster of my emotional state and believing that quote, that being out of control or hard to handle was something that if you loved me, you just had to put up with. I am glad to say for the sake of my husband that that is some toxic garbage that I no longer subscribe to. Now, like many people approaching my 30s, I thought that I had everything figured out. Fortunately, I wasn't done with my big revelations because boy, howdy, was I wrong. There was a whole wealth of information out there about emotion that once I had access to really change the game for me internally, it was a big gift for me to learn that emotions are feedback from my nervous system, my subconscious, my whole body and what my body has been through. And that my emotions are giving me information about my experience. So the science of this is pretty cool. So you're challenging emotions. Now, I don't like to call them, quotes negative emotions because we're subscribing a value judgment then to an emotional experience that isn't good or bad, but sometimes they're hard to deal with. So your challenging emotions have what's called a specific thought action tendency. So you experience the emotion and that action tendency is this narrowed focus of the nervous system, the body, the brain to respond to whatever that emotional experience is. So for example, if you experience fear, your instinct is to try to escape. The perception is that your resources in that moment can't match the potential threat and you need to get away. And that fear experience is distinctly different from anger, right? The action tendency to anger is to attack. A boundary has been threatened and you need to reinforce against it and you have the resources to do so. Back off. Disappointment, you withdraw. Anxiety is that your safety needs aren't being met and you feel it physically or psychologically. And so you get nervous, what's gonna happen? Disgust results in rejection. Typically it's either viscerally bad, like getting nauseous or sick when you see someone get sick, or it's socially conditioned to be disgusting. And that causes someone to be ostracized or lose status in society to reinforce what we think of as you know, not disgusting, right? We wanna push away rejected behaviors. Now, this is super important because our evolutionary ancestors needed this reaction so that they could respond to threats, either acute or more subtle. 
You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall, and we're unpacking this idea that emotions are actually resources that give us information about our experiences. So there are brain studies, fMRI studies, where you image the brain under a specific stimulus and you can see this response different in the brain. Now, even if you condition a different action in reaction, the brain and the body are still feeling the response. So even if you've conditioned yourself, I'm afraid, but I'm not going to run. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to stick up for myself. You still had the emotional response. You just conditioned a different reaction. So for a long time, this challenging emotion thing was the only side of the emotional equation that was studied. And that's because originally psychology was focused on solving the problems of humanity. Like how can we fix the problems that society experiences and wants help with? So things like anger can lead to violence or chronic stress resulting in heart disease, um, sadness leading to depression. You get the idea. But at the time, psychology researchers thought that mitigation strategy was what mattered. And it wasn't until late in the 20th century that that idea was challenged and research started on the other side of the equation. And what they found was awesome. It's a bedrock of the, one of the aspects of positive psychology. And it's a huge impact on anybody looking to build wellness and well-being into their life. So what researchers like Barbara Fredrickson found was that what you might call positive emotion, again, in quotes, because there's a value judgment there, I call pleasant emotion, right? Because it feels good. And pleasant emotions function completely differently in the brain and the body than the challenging ones do. So instead of having these specific action tendencies, right? Fear, flee. The good stuff actually opens you up to more possibility. So when we experience joy, we want to experiment in the world. We want to go off and play. We're more willing to try new things when we're in the presence of joy. You want an example? Go look at any of the girl dad videos where some like big tough guy is having his daughter put makeup on him, right? The Rock posts the best versions of this. His little girl draws on his face all the time because the joy of being with their child opens them up to play to have their hair done and have tea parties, things that they probably never would have done before that child was born. When we get interest, which is another pleasant emotion, we get curious, we get creative, we want to learn new things. We start making new links and brainstorming ideas. We're better at problem solving. So Fredrickson calls this the broaden aspect of positive emotion. We get experimental. We're more open to flow states. We grow our intellectual resources. So instead of having these specific action tendencies that narrow our focus and shut us down, it expands our possibilities. And through this expanded possibilities, we build new skills. We're better at learning things. We make friends easier. We grow our minds. We improve our networks. And that's why she calls this the broaden and build theory, right? broadened cognition that allows us to build new resources, but it actually gets even cooler than this. 
Because what's really cool in the evidence of the broaden and build theory, that after experiencing joy or awe or humor, people are more attentive to one another. They are more likely to help other people. They're more creative. They're better at problem solving. They have improved cognition and recall. And here's the real big one. They even show less racial bias. All those lumped together are enhanced executive skills and uh, improved pro-social behavior. That's what they call it in the research. We're nicer to people. We like each other more. All from experiencing positive emotion. So negative emotion, challenging emotion, over time are a chronic stressor in the body and the brain. And we know that chronic stress increases heart rate and blood pressure, narrows our focus, it stresses our adrenals and actually does damage to our brains and our cardiovascular system, our digestive organs. Like stress is not good for the body. Pleasant emotional experiences have actually been shown to improve the repair of the damage from that stress. So after two years of sustained societal stress, one of the tools that we can be using in our own wellness journey is priming positive and pleasant emotional experiences because that's part of what's actually going to bring us back. So those who report having more pleasant emotional experiences and those who experience, experiment and intentionally facilitate, like priming those pleasant emotional experiences, they're also more resilient when they are challenged. And we see this in many measurable ways of resilience. So you're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. We're talking about the way that your emotions are information. And I'm your host, Darlene Marshall. So maybe you're thinking, okay, yeah, like the science is cool. Darlene, you're a big old nerd. Hopefully you're a big old nerd too, because you're listening to this show. You probably want some of the science. Love being a big old nerd. You got it. Emotions are information. How are you going to use that information for yourself and for your clients, for whomever it is that you support? Well, I want to offer you two ways to do that. So on the one hand, it's taking time to check in with your emotions, to tell it, like, find out, like, what's up with you. And on the other, you can use this knowledge about pleasant emotional experience to give your body and the brain the information that you want it to have. So I want you to think about this as a two-way, let's try that again. I want you to think about this as a two-way relationship of your consciousness, your choice, the self that gets to choose what you do in your life, like your actual free will. If you listen to the Scott Berry Coffin episode, you know, we argued about free will a little bit. Using that free will to choose your behavior, you can put inputs into your mind and body about your emotional state and allowing your mind and your body, your, your physiological experience to teach you about yourself. So let's unpack how these work. Okay. This first one. When you're having a bad day, you wake up in a bad way. What do you do? What do you typically do? I was taught you try to fix it, right? I was the dramatic kid. My brothers used to do this thing. My mother taught them called the tickle monster. I'm a very ticklish girl. 
if I was having a particularly emotional day, my brothers would be primed by my mom to do the tickle monster and they would tickle me until I was kind of hysterical. And I had to promise in order to get them to stop that I would stop whatever I was doing, whining, crying, didn't matter. But that taught me that if I'm having a bad day, I have to try to fix it. Like it's a problem. What if you tried to learn from it instead? What if instead of timeouts being a punishment, right? It's a punishment when you get like too upregulated and you do something, uh, what if instead of being a punishment, you made a timeout for yourself that was about exploring what's up with you? It's an opportunity to get information, to go inward. So about a week ago on Sunday, I, I woke up and I was just dragging. I, I was not myself. I'm normally up by six and I'm doing things at 7 a.m. and I've got a checklist and that checklist is getting done. And some little stupid thing put me over the edge. So I went back to bed. Um, but I wasn't just wallowing in bed. I was in bed emotionally and psychologically like poking at the edges. What is this? What's this about? Now, it took a few hours for me to figure out what really was going on with me that I was getting shut down. And eventually I was able to identify that there's some things going on in the world that were making me feel afraid. And that fear was shutting me down. It was turning me off. So once you've taken that space, you've withdrawn so that, you know, I don't want to give that ickiness to anyone else. So I let husband know what was going on. I went back to bed and I explored within myself what was up. So once you've made that space and you've got a sense of it, the question is then, well, what do you do with it? And if you understand what kind of challenging emotion you're having, most challenging emotions can be answered with a bit of time, a bit of personal understanding and with talking about it. So I went to my husband and I shared those feels with him because it allowed me to work through the hard stuff by sharing Brene Brown has a bunch of great work around shame and guilt and fear and the ways in which those challenging emotions can be addressed through opening up, through trust. Because then it not only is it being shared, it has the opportunity to be validated. So it's not just sharing with anybody willy-nilly, it's sharing with someone or some group, some space that you know isn't going to shut you down. They're not going to throw that toxic positivity stuff back at you. They're going to make the space for you to feel your feels. And if you don't have that resource available to you in the form of other people, that's what journaling's for. Write it down, decode it, dig into it, label it so you can learn from it. Because by opening up that challenging emotion, you can process it. You can decide how you want to act instead of getting sucked into that thought action tendency. It's a huge aha moment for me when I realize that when I'm feeling angry, someone is violating my boundaries. Because then I could ask myself, do I clearly communicate that boundary? Now, if the answer is no, that's on me. It's time for me to get clear with them about my boundaries. But the answer is yes. 
if I clearly communicated that boundary and I'm still getting angry because they're still violating that boundary, well, now I have some really valuable information about who I cannot trust, right? And then I can make some space. So by digging in to the emotional experience, getting the information, you then can choose how do I want to act based on the information I've now got available to me. But like I said, this is a two-way street. That's you digging into the emotion. What about creating the emotion so you can prime your body and your mind for the experiences you're looking to cultivate in your life? Because the body will tell the mind information, but the mind can intentionally craft experiences to give the body what it needs. So if you've ever heard of power poses, right? there's a great TED talk about power poses. Or if you stand like a superhero and make yourself very tall, you will feel more confident. Or if you lean back in your chair and put your feet up, you'll feel more relaxed. That's intentionally creating a physical experience to get your body to cultivate a certain state of being. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. We're talking about how emotions are information. And I'm Darlene Marshall. So if you've ever heard of the tools of tapping, right? Where we tap on the body to release tension. If you've ever heard, now they started calling it shaking. Like 15 years ago, we used to call it tremoring. It's where like you put your body in a space where you can shake and that releases tension in the body. Breath work, pranayama is what they would call it in yoga. It's intentionally different ways of breathing that create different states in the body and the mind. These are all different ways that you can use the the tools that you have available to you to create states in the body. If you exercise for your mental health, you know, I know many ultra marathoners are actually people who struggle with depression and anxiety because running is the tool that they use to work through that mental state to keep them out of depression. You know, if you practice gratitude in a meaningful way, And when I say meaningful way, I mean that you are cultivating the actual emotional experience of gratitude instead of, you know, if we just write like, I'm grateful for my house, I'm grateful for my dog, I'm grateful for, like, that's not an emotional experience. Taking the space to tap in to the feeling of gratitude and what cultivates that feeling in your life. You can decide to change your physiology in ways that then affect your emotional experience. And you can make this a feedback loop with yourself. It's listening to your emotional experience, learning how to interpret what you're feeling, choosing to cultivate experiences that grow more of what you want for yourself, and then acting in ways that respect and honor your emotional self. It's a lot there, but this is an incredible tool and journey into your deeper self when you start exploring, what are my feelings trying to tell me now? And now, and now, because it's an emergent, ever-changing river of yourself. All right, we're going to leave it there. If you are listening in your favorite podcasting platform, I'd ask, leave us a review and don't forget to subscribe. If you're on YouTube, be sure to hit that like button. 
You can comment uh, to share with us how you're feeling about this episode, any information that you want to share with me. You can also follow on Instagram. I'm Darlene.coach and shoot me a DM if you have any suggestions, ideas, feedback, anything that you would like us to know. I would absolutely love to hear from you. And thanks. Thanks.